Thanks for joining us for First College Ministries College Worship Gathering. We hope that what you hear will encourage you and challenge you to be more like Jesus in your everyday lives. If you're a college student in the Tuscaloosa area, please join us on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. for college worship. You can learn more about First College Ministry at firstcollegeministry.org. What's up? Uh, my name is Kale Williams. Hey, Kale. Um, what, what else are we saying about ourselves? <laughs> I am 23. Um, yes. That's what you said, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, so I am originally from Mississippi, was born in Jackson, raised in Tupelo, um, and then came here from Hattiesburg. So. Hi, I'm Kate. I'm going to break the trend of telling my age, but I'm 26, just turned 26 yesterday. Nobody else has to share their age. It's fine. Um, Happy so belated birthday. Thanks. Twenty-six in one day. It's great. Um, but, yeah, so I was also born in Mississippi. I was born in Hattiesburg, raised in Hattiesburg, um, and then moved here two years ago. Um, and it was actually two years ago today. It was my first college worship to ever attend. So it's, it's a sweet day. So I'm Mally Scarborough. Um, I'm the associate student minister here. I am also from Mississippi, born and raised in Meridian, Mississippi, um, and attended Mississippi State for college, so, yeah, yeah. I am Casey. I am married to RJ. Um, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida originally, went to college in Birmingham at Samford, and then we've lived a couple places since then, but we've been here about six years. Yeah, you ask me. Hey, guys, I'm RJ. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I too was born in Jackson, so we share that in common. And then uh, I am from near Jacksonville, Florida, in Glen St. Mary. And then I uh, went to Florida State, then went to Sanford for seminary, and went to Columbia, and now we're here. So. I'm Shonda Guthrie, and I'm originally here from Houston, Texas, where I was Nathan's kindergarten teacher. It's cute.
John played football there, and um, I had seen him around at an exchange in Logan Chapel. Sorry. Okay. So um, I uh, had seen him around. He was a leader on the football team, and. Um, and I don't remember how, what transpired, but I was an education major and I was in the library and John, um, like I can just imagine it now, like him walking back and forth between. Um, this was my moment, I was pre Yeah, like he was ready and he walked up to my table where I was studying and he said, I just knew you were here. I sensed your aurora. <laughs> and I, it's like, uh, you mean Aura? Because Aurora is a town in Missouri, but the wrong word. So bless his heart, he he um, he went out on a he went out on a limb there. But we're still together. Yeah. Okay, so RJ and I have been married twelve years. It was twelve years in January. Um, we uh, yeah, thank you. Um, we met each other, we're both from around Jacksonville, Florida, and so when I was in high school, it was the summers between my sophomore and junior years of high school, RJ came and was the college intern with my youth minister, and so he was there for two summers with our youth group, and at this point, like, I was 16, he was 20, so, like, nothing was going on, we, I was just one of, nothing, nothing was going on, <laughs> we were, I was just one of the students, um, I did, you know, like every girl had a little crush on him because he was like the cute college guy and he could sing and play guitar and everything. But he did have frosted dips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was when that was like, that was like a good thing to do then. Um, yeah. So we knew each other then and then kind of over the course of the next few years, we would see each other like every now and then, but didn't really stay in touch. And then when I was a junior in college, um, I was in Atlanta at a conference with a roommate, and he was there also, and we weren't talking, like, I didn't know he was there. We weren't staying in touch. But we, like, literally ran into each other at the place, like, physically ran into each other and talked, and it was awkward, and we both went back to our seats, and I didn't really think a lot about it because it just felt weird. But then afterward, we ran into each other again, and he asked if we wanted to go get dessert or something. She's being mild about that. Afterwards, I yelled across the street in downtown Atlanta, Casey, do you want dessert? And then we, the four of us went to grab dessert. Yeah. Sure. Um, so we went and got dessert. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. And then a couple of days after that, um, he Facebook messaged me because that was um, the only form of social media. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and asked for my number, and then we started talking and started dating after that. So that's our story. Um, Kale also had frosted tips whenever we met. It was, <laughs> it was <laughs> I'm just kidding. He didn't. He did not. Um, I was about to say, the high school hair, that was something. Um, no, so we actually, we were both in Hattiesburg. I grew, like I said, I was born there, grew up there, um, stayed there for undergrad, and he ended up moving to Hattiesburg for undergrad. Um, and it wasn't until your junior year and my senior year um, that we first met. So I 
was meeting up with a friend of mine to do discipleship on a Friday morning. Um, and he was meeting up with a friend at a coffee shop to talk through relationship stuff with that friend of like the guy was going through some experience with the girlfriend and wanted his insight on it. And so um, we ran into each other there and we had like known of each other for a while through our mutual friends. So the girl I was meeting up with was mutual friends with both of us. Um, and so he ended up or I came in and she introduced us um, and then he ended up kind of like coming over and talking to us for a little while after and he walked out and I was like Alyssa who is this like where has this guy been um and she was like oh no like it's Kale like it's my friend that I've been telling you about and I was like oh yeah 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 and so for like, like two or three weeks after we just both kept asking her about the other one like okay so like tell me more about Kale um, and then she was like, oh, yeah, haha, ha, he keeps saying that he wants me to set you guys up. Like, he keeps saying, like, when are you going to set me up with Kate? And I thought she was kidding. Like, I thought she was, like, pulling my leg. And she, like, looked at me one day, and she's like, I'm not kidding. Like, he's being serious. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, well, I'm not kidding either. So, like, if, if you want to tell him that, like, I would be good with that, like, if he's good with that, I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> And so um, I think like the next day you called and you were like, hey, Alyssa gave me your number. Do you want to go out this weekend? And then we went out that weekend and then COVID happened the next week. So it was a great time. But yeah, do you have anything to add? Oh, yeah. So Kate actually DM'd me after that. So like RJ might have messaged, but I, I had a story of I was working to D now as, as a good Christian, you know, college student does. And uh I had posted some band that was just frankly not very good, but I put them on my story, and Kate like slid up on it and was like, oh my gosh, I've seen them before. And I was like, yeah, she likes me. Yeah, I, I knew it. I knew it at that point. Uh, and here we are. Yeah, so um, majority of my friends are married. Many of them have kids. My younger brother is married, has a kid and two on the way. And so, like, I, it's definitely, I'd say it's definitely an adjustment. Um, I'm very fortunate that my best friend, her name is Amy. She's been my best friend since, like, fifth grade. Um, Pretty much every stage of life that we have been in, because, like, she was engaged, married, started having kids. Um, I've kind of lived, we've kind of been long distance friends for a while um, because I've kind of lived all over um, and she's still in my hometown. But I've been very fortunate that every stage of life, like she has made like time um, for just us to hang out sometimes. Um, But now that she's a mom, like she's a mom, she's working part time, she's in nurse practitioner school. So sometimes it's like, if I go home, I'm like, hey, I'm coming home. You want to grab lunch? We have a Thai place that we typically go because none of our like families like the place so we go just us and then like 
um, the last um, one time it was like, hey, we're going to go over to my mom's house. Do you want to come hang? And so I go and play with her three kids. We played hide and seek in the yard and um, I went to their soccer games. And so it's, it's, it's different, but like she's still my best friend and I, I get to watch her be this awesome mom and I get to be a part of her um, kids' lives and watch them grow up, which is pretty cool to like watch. Um, and I would also say like it's been really cool, um, I'll be honest, when my brother, since he's younger than me, when it was a, it was a little bit of a struggle um, when I realized he was going to be getting married before me, but um, found just like his perfect match. And then watching my brother become a dad has been probably one of my favorite things that I've seen um, with my brother. So it's, it's, it takes some adjusting, but it's, it's a lot of fun, actually, so. Yeah, um, so I was the, so my, probably my best friends still are my high school friends. So God, you know, has faithfully blessed me with really good friends throughout each of the phases of my life, both college and high school, but out of my high school friends and out of all but one of my college friends, I was the first one to get married. Um, and so that was a little bit of an adjustment, I think, um, just because even like I, I got engaged second semester of my senior year. And so my priorities really started shifting, I think, a lot quicker than a lot of my friends. Um, I started thinking a lot more about money and a lot more about jobs and you know, and I mean, everybody starts to think about those things their senior years, but it kind of gets put in a in a you know a pressure cooker when you also are then responsible for another human being as well when you you know become one. And so, there was a little bit of tension, I think, with me and some of my fraternity brothers and college friends who maybe didn't have quite the level of responsibility that I had committed to um, as getting engaged. Um, but I would honestly say, since being married. Um, especially with a lot of my guy friends, um, the main thing that's changed is time. It, it's not that our relationship dynamics have changed as much as it is, is it's just not as frequent. Um, I, I'm uh, in many ways a textbook extrovert, and so I like a lot of time with, with my friends, a lot of time with Kate, a lot of time with family. Um, and so I was used, and my friends were used to us being together all the time, to fishing every day, um, go to see movies all the time, going out to eat all the time. And so that has been the biggest shift, I think, is just not as much time. Um, but we're still, we still do the same things. We still laugh at the same things. We still enjoy doing all the things that we used to enjoy. It's, um, but I would say it, it's even become more sweet because it's not as frequent um, that we really get to kind of treasure that time.
I'm probably going to take a lot of people off and maybe even have some disagreement up here. I don't know. But um, I would say no, um, mostly because I feel like if you're both single, there's always a thought of what if. Um, and it may be that you've been in a situation for years with someone. You've actually grown with them. But there comes that moment where it's like, hmm, maybe, you know. Um, and once that thought enters, it changes the dynamic. And the, the thing is, too, it, I think it translates very differently into if one of you gets into a relationship at that point also. Because for one, I'm not gonna have a platonic relationship with a female. I'm married, right? Like that's just a recipe for disaster. But at the same time, I do have, I mean, I'm talking about like deep friendships, you know what I'm saying? Like I have platonic friendships. Um, many of them are up here. Um, and so, but thinking through that, we share that relationship because she's been adopted into those relationships to a certain degree. Um, I do think it's, it's highly unlikely for you to say that I've navigated the waters with the opposite gender without at least the, the idea or the romantic notion entering. Um, and I would say often, if you were to... Yeah, they muted me. They're like, we're done. <laughs> but that was really all I had to say, so... Um, we talked some about this this afternoon and it was kind of like a little bit of like, I definitely agree with everything you've said, but a little bit of like a yes and no. And the yes would be with like boundaries. Um, because like if you're, um, like a really close friend with the opposite sex, like don't be like spending time, you shouldn't be spending time like just the two of you. Um, they shouldn't be filling like a void of like a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Like you don't, you don't need like a cuddle buddy or a makeout buddy. Like that's just not healthy and that's not going to do any good. Um, and it's not protecting your heart. Um, and so I'd say, but, but I, like, as we were like processing it, I was like, I feel like I'll lean more towards no, just because like, I thought like in college, I was like, yeah, I can be, do that. And then like, one or the other, there were feelings most of the time, um, and then that just kind of can make things complicated. So if it's a yes, I'd say with boundaries. Yeah, also, Logan, you're the best, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you, Logan. Um, I mean, I would agree with both of you guys. Um, I would also say, like, we don't want you guys to get that confused with, like, oh, it's like, so I can't be friends with any girls or any guys in the room. Um, like, we strategically have you guys in co-ed small groups because we think that that is a great setting for you guys to form friendships. Um, and so even with what's been set up here, like, the, the thought is, like, examining your relationships with someone of the opposite gender and saying, like, would this relationship like the dynamics of our relationship, would it have to shift if I got into a relationship with somebody else like tomorrow? Like, and if you're like, oh yeah, like I couldn't be super flirty with my best friend who's a guy and like, cause I'd be dating someone else and that would be wrong. Like that's a red flag for you to examine that to say like, okay, like I need to check myself. I need to have the community around me checking in on me. And I would also say, accept the rebuke of the community around you that would lovingly say like, hey, we understand you're not trying to come across in this way, but people are assuming you guys are together because of the way you're acting. Like you guys are in community for a reason. So like if they come to you and honestly say like, 
hey, like, I'm just a little concerned. I think that you're getting attached to this person in a way that maybe you don't even realize. Like, we want to talk to you about this. Not in a way of, like, saying, like, oh, this is awful. But in a way of saying, like, hey, like, where are you at in this? Like, we need to be there for you to process that. And so I would want you guys to hear us saying that in the sense of, like, biblical community can be a beautiful thing, but also it needs to be done well. And so that, all, that calls for encouragement and also rebuke in a very loving way to say, like, hey, we got to check this out. Like, we can't just let something grow into a, something that's labeled a friendship that's just filling a void, so. I just want to add on to the end of that. I, I don't want it to come across as if you can't, like I said, I mean, yeah. the women on this stage, I would consider my friends, and my life would be very different if they weren't in it, yeah. right? Obviously, this one, but, you know, the other, <laughs> other three. But I'm just saying you need those voices in your life as well because that is part of biblical community. So don't be like, oh, opposite gender, I'm in a relationship, I can't talk, yeah. right? Like, that's not what we're talking about. It's, it's the deep deeper connections that can cross that line. Yeah, just to be really frank, if your friends think you're the same as someone and you're not even dating that person or settling on the way to dating that person, it's probably not a great friendship, right? Yeah. None of us are saying that from a place of, like, superiority. I, frankly, am saying that from a place of being and having that problem regularly throughout college. It's a thing that's easy to fall into, like, just being honest, because, like, relationship is good, community is good, um, and we really try and foster those things. Um, so moving into just kind of engagement in this pre-marriage phase, uh, John Shonda, how and when should you discuss marriage with a significant other? All right. Um, obviously, you've been dating at this point. Um, it can't just be a, you know, hey, how about we get married? Uh, you have to obviously have a relationship. And, and Shonda and I were talking about this, too. Communication is key in any relationship, and hopefully you've had those conversations to where you're at a point to where your your goals and your dreams and your plans for the future are lining up. Whereas if you know that you're going this direction and you're going this direction, it may not be a, a time to, to have that discussion. And so if you're aligned and you're moving in the same direction and God is pulling y'all together, then you start to have those conversations. And it's a sweet time. Like, man, that was awesome. Um, when we began to think, I mean, I'm even getting, getting thinking about it. Like, um, we, you got to, we got to have those conversations like, hey, this might be the one. And that just, that's awesome. Um, but don't rush that. Um, spend time together and enjoy that process. And I'm going to, um, you even said something, and I think, you know, I, I think we both have had enough conversations that we agree on this, but um, I love what you said about those conversations up front about where you're going, because I did have relationships where when I had the conversations, um, his dreams, not John's, but, you know, a guy that I was dating, his dreams would be this direction and mine would be this direction and I'd lay in my dorm room in in bed and think okay if I do if I do this then we can you know like I was trying to force paths because I bought into this idea of there's one and so it had it would have to be forced if this is the one, and I heard John just say that, but um, 
I can remember godly counsel from my father who said, I don't want you to make the mistake of believing there's one person because what happens if you miss that one person? The idea then you spin out of control that my whole life is messed up. And that's not God. That's not who, he's created this awesome personality in you and others. And if your goals and your dreams and your paths begin to line up, then you look at, at those conversations. And, um, and that is one of the ways that it's confirming. Um, so, that, yeah. Shondo was touching on this, but I was just going to add, I think, the importance of, like, having people in your life that are close to your relationship and have seen you and spent time with you together that can speak into that, too. Um, I think that's just so important, like an outsider's perspective on what do you see, how do you see that I have changed or grown or whatever through this relationship. I think it's huge for, um, I don't know, just having some wisdom about when it's time to take that on. Really briefly, I think, too, once you have gone through some of, like, your fights, <laughs> you know, and you realize, I want to still be with this person, and it's worth doing the fights well and understanding that those things matter, um, and they help shape you, I think it, it lends itself more towards the idea of commitment and covenant versus just romantic feeling, and I think that was honestly something in my mind, and you guys have heard some of this, because, I mean, we just came off of five weeks of me talking to you about this, but you know, that was something in my mind that I really had to wrestle with was, you know, she, she's not someone I can, like, I can picture being without. So that to me superseded the emotions of a hardship or, but also led to this, this time of me realizing if I can't be without her, I probably need to put a ring on it. <laughs> like, I probably need to take that step and say, I commit to you and I want to have this covenant with you. I think that, so our engagement was a little unique because we had dated living in the same town. Um, we got engaged in February of 2021, and then I moved in March 2021 to here, uh, to Tuscaloosa. Um, and so our, pretty much the entirety of our engagement was long distance. Um, and so that in itself for us was just really challenging. Um, I think that uh, you hear a lot of people share that, I think 
obviously, like, there are temptations that can even come up whenever it comes to being engaged and being like, oh, I have a ring on my hand, like, okay. Um, but I think that even in that, like, I saw Kale lead really well in the sense of, like, he um, he just proved to be faithful to being a man who respected the covenant of marriage even before we entered into marriage and the way that he led and guided us in engagement. Um, did a really good job of helping me, um, like, culturally. There's a lot of pressure on um, the wedding day, like, like making it perfect and looking perfect and like having all these like everything to the nines. Um, but he just really helped me in, um, being in the throes of that season and just realizing like, okay, like we're preparing for a marriage. Um, and so I think like the challenge at that point was like keeping our eyes on the fact that we're pursuing a marriage that is reflective of the gospel. Um, like what are we doing to prepare in this time? Um, it was challenging on our time of friendships and relationships. Things were starting to really heavily shift at that point. Um, we both had to be really intentional about still investing in our friends um, during that season. But I think those are some that came to mind for me at first. Yeah, I mean, it, Engagement is not marriage, um, I think, is the thing that we need to make very clear. Um, engagement is, um, it, it feels, it starts to feel like marriage a little bit, um, at least in your mind, but it, it's not. And so I, what that looked like for me was setting, I think, in some ways, like harder boundaries um, just for us um, when it comes to being alone and things like that. It was just... Um, it was a time that, that I think that I, I it, the Lord really tested um, even like my accountability and, and with my friends and, and thankfully the Lord has given me friends who love the Lord and who, who love us. Um, and then like secondly, I would say um, engagement is, the end of engagement is not the wedding day necessarily as much as it is everything that comes after the wedding day. Um, the wedding day is fun, and it, it is an event to prepare for and enjoy and delight in, but it's the beginning. It's not the end of the process. Um, it's the very beginning, um, and so during engagement, um, that's a sweet time. Like, the number one advice for anybody that's engaged is do premarital counseling. Like, do premarital counseling and take it seriously and read and uh, have hard discussions and talk about things about your family of origin that you would have never thought about, like how did your family talk about money? How did your family talk about these things? Things that I would have never in a million years thought to ask Kate, but I'm so thankful that someone wiser told us to. Um, and so, yeah, and so I, th I think engagement is a time where we, you begin to set the foundation truly of what your marriage is going to look like. Um, and so when you're having conversations during engagement, it shouldn't be the wedding day being the end goal, but a healthy marriage that glorifies and reflects Jesus Christ as being the goal of that. Um, okay. Um, I've gone through this a lot. Many roommates getting engaged while living with me and I just want to be transparent. Um, I would love to say that every time it happened that I was just ecstatic. Um, but there are definitely like the thoughts of like, why couldn't it be me? Um, but I will say, um, knowing when an engagement is going to happen ahead of time is very helpful. Um, because like I can just honestly like prepare myself and pray because I do like I do want to be genuinely happy and excited for my friends and so when I've been in on engagements um and the planning of 
those proposals and everything, that has definitely helped and even like, tech, you know, telling my mom and my mentor like, hey, be praying for me. Sometimes this can be hard. Um, and I, I know that like y'all kind of reworded that question. Um, and I know it's like engagement season, like it's a thing, like Christmas to like May, I feel like. Um, and it happens like all the time. And like, I, funny, funny enough, after seeing the questions yesterday, was on social media last night, and a girl that was in my sorority um, in college, like, we haven't kept up, but we're friends on Facebook, and I saw that she was engaged, and I was like, oh, that's so exciting, she's awesome, um, but then, like, there were years ago where there were other girls in my sorority who are not believers, but um, were on their second engagements, and I'm like, why, I just want one. Like, uh, like they're on number two, and I just want one. Um, but, like, being a part of so, being, getting to be a part of so many, like, engagements um, and weddings, just like right now, I mean, currently my roommate's engaged and getting married in July. And so, like, um, at, like asking her about the process of planning the wedding, um, you know, like, I'm, I'm in it. I'm going to get to help, like, her prepare with some things. And so... Um, it can, it can be hard sometimes, but just like honestly praying for that, just genuine joy for your people who have found, um, the person they're going to spend their life with. So, um, so kind of moving into marriage, uh, John, Sean, what are the keys to, um, we know you guys have these, what are the keys to lasting forever with somebody? So I'm laughing because y'all were talking about how how y'all met, and I was thinking, we were married three years before a cell phone was a thing. So, like, we did dating before that was a thing. Um, yeah, you're right, you're right. Notes in the, in the, um, yeah, you, he'd come by the dorm and put notes in my mailbox or on the um, car, yeah. Um, uh, so, my parents were married 58 years before um, my mom passed away. Your parents have been married all about the same, um, but I have heard both sets of our parents, and my dad said it just this last weekend, um, I thought I loved your mom when I married her, but if I really look at it, I was committed to her, and commitment was the soil in which my love grew. And I thought that was so beautiful because at your age, at our age, I mean, I was 21 when I got married, um, and I just, love was a feeling. And if, I wrote, if we tried to ride that out, it would be quickly dissipated because you get in a house or you get an apartment and um, all the things that bother you or all the things that you thought you liked just become annoying and bothersome. We, we used to laugh because he would eat Cheerios at night and, um, his, and I would like the clanging of the, of the spoon on the bowl would just like, Duh. and I just realized that's not, you know, all of that is, is um, am I committed? 
like you've said, covenant and commitment. And then that love is a choice. Well, and we have been married this summer will be 27. And I can honestly say I love her more today than I ever dreamed of when we said I do. Because we've experienced life together. Like we have, we've got two babies we've gone through. Doctors telling us we couldn't have kids. We've gone through, you know, job things. We've gone through really great times and hard times. And guess what? She's never left my side. And so, man, I, I guess if I could say what, like, what's the glue is just, man, we, um, we don't do it perfect by any means, but um, trying to knock each other out by serving the other one. Um, I'm very selfish by nature, but, like, guys, if the proper way, like, I'm a coach, that's kind of what I'm trained to do, and that's just in my blood. But if I'm trying to build a team, if, if you're going to build the proper team, you've got to die to self. And you've got to look for ways on your team to how can I serve them. And so that's what we've got to do for each other. And that's, man, it is so much fun. Like we're, we don't want our kids to leave, but we're kind of excited about it. I'm not going to lie. I, um, uh, we're, we're like, I cannot wait. Like um, we're going to sit on the porch and just, you know, with our dogs and just do life. And not that we're going to be retired. We're still going to get after it. But, man, we just like being with each other. And um, so I think that that doesn't happen from the beginning. But, man, when you get to do life with your best friend, it gets, it's awesome. I think, you know, it's something my father told me. Um, you guys have heard the story of, like, the wedding day, the awkward conversation he decided to have me when I was 27 years old. But um, but what he actually gave me that was useful in that moment, too, was, you know, there are moments when I roll over and, you know, I, I see your mom and she's drooling because this is, he's telling me, like, a graphic example. And I'm still thinking, I choose her. Right, like that's that's the covenant love. Like that's something that supersedes emotion. And, you know, we joke about it and I, I think John Mayer stole the thunder of this phrase, but like when God in his love, it's active. Right? I mean his love is choosing, his love is pursuing, his love is something that's continually active, it's not passive. We get to reflect that in marriage. And so I think that is the idea that supersedes the emotional. Because there are gonna be days where we've had a fight the night before and I wake up and it's just like don't really want to talk to her right now, but she's still mine, right? Or vice versa, I'm sure. You know, like, I mean, we have four kids that are under the age of nine. So you can imagine there's a lot of tension sometimes. And so, like, we deal with that. We ride those highs. We also have to deal with the lows. Um, and we've been through our fair share of moves and things by this point as, as well. But um, I would agree. Like, I mean, it's not a cheesy line. It's true. I do love her more in, in this, uh, like a stranger in a more different way than I ever thought. And that strange is a good strange. Like, it's a surprising thing. Um, and so it's, you know, she's my person, right? Like, and she's going to be my person. Like, there's not a question about it, if that makes sense. So that covenant supersedes the emotions. Um, but it does, I think, reflect the fact that, you know, our initial attraction wasn't something to just, like, toss aside. That mattered. The Lord used it. Um, but he let it grow. And I, I love the idea of that, the soil. That was a really good analogy. One thing, too, I think that is key in maintaining, like, a long relationship is learning to give each other the benefit of the doubt and, like, learning to let things go. 
I think like early on in marriage, like so many things just annoy you and bother you and you can let like little tiny things become huge deals. Like we've had so many fights about such silly things and still do sometimes, but I feel like I'm learning more like the older that we get that like I need to give you the benefit of the doubt, you know, and not um, be nitpicky about things and just let things go because those aren't like the eternal things that matter. Yeah, so um, this was the question that I feel like I've thought the most about um, because, like, I, I do have the desire to be married, but I'm currently single. And so um, I think one thing is the attitude. Um, the reality is I'm not entitled to marriage. Jesus didn't promise me marriage. Um, and so that's a hard thing to swallow, um, but I have to remind myself of that often. Um, one thing with being content is, so this, I think my mentor Becky, um, told me about this of, and I've listened to a podcast that talks a lot about dating and singleness and being content. Um, I try to think of what I like, be thankful for the things that I have. So when I journal, um, I, whenever I journal, the first thing I do is I write three things that I'm thankful for that day. And it can be like something major or it could be something like, it's sunny outside. I looked the other day and I was like, we had like days of gloom and I was like, thank you for the sunshine today. Um, or like yesterday I was like, thank you for Kate being born, you know, um, for this friend. And so holding on to like those things, but also taking advantage of the, the season that I'm in. Um, the reality is all right now that I really have to worry about is me. Um, so it, um, I've kind of lived in several different places and I was able to, to move to different places to do student ministry because I only had to worry about me and picking up and moving. And so um, I've lived in Arkansas and Mississippi and Texas and now Alabama. Um, and then um, just um, under, also understanding that my, my mentor Becky told me this of like, you know, when you're single, you're like, long you know you're long some of us are longing for that marriage we're always like we want that next thing but then once you're married then it might be you're wanting kids once you're once you have kids that you want them this to happen for your kids once you know once your kids are out of the house it might be something else like retirement or we want to do this and so if you keep like longing for those things um it's just like a continuous process and so like really focusing on um where jesus has you at in your current season um, and I, I don't want it to seem like I have it all figured out. I definitely have my moments where, like, it really sucks being single. Um, but I just um, have to be reminded um, and take advantage of the sing um, seasons I'm in. And, like, I'm currently, like, really tr just trying to be, like, a better friend. Um, my married friends can't just pick up and do, like, drop everything and come hang out with me. But if I can do that with them... Um, or come help them when they need something. I want to be a better, a better aunt. My little almost three-year-old niece is like my favorite human. So like I don't get to see her all the time because she doesn't live here. But like being a good aunt to her, um, being a good sister, sister-in-law, being a good daughter, um, just trying to focus on those things. Um, and ho hopefully, one day I'll get married. But the reality is, don't really know. We'll see.
should play the comparison game between singleness and marriage. It's never healthy. Um, but the freedom of singleness isn't really good for the rest of us. Like, it's biblical. Paul talks about it. But there are some things that you can do, like, as a single person, you don't get to do when you're married. I've gotten, like, I've got a friend who's going through a really hard season of life. And I've gotten to, like, open my home and really minister to him well because I'm not married. Right? I get to go have dinner with my Bible study every Thursday night because I don't have someone I'm going home to. I'm just free. Right? I have freedom now. And that's a, that's a joyful thing. And it's okay for you to feel that that's a, that's a joyful thing. I have one more thing that I thought of. Also, like, being single, like, once your friends start, um, like, getting married and you're around them, like, I will say, like, I think a lot of times, and I've heard my friends who have been married, who have gotten married say this, but, like, you have this idea of marriage in your head, and, like, you realize you kind of had unrealistic expectations. Like, I I still know that if I get married one day, it's going to be completely new. I'm going to have to, like, just learn a lot of things. But I do feel like being single as long as I have, I have a little bit more of, like, a realistic expectation because I have been able to just hang around so many um, married friends who are really transparent and vulnerable with me and talking about their married lives. And so um, I'm thankful for that and that maybe that will help um, if that were to happen for me one day. you to like step into life with another person not needing them to be your savior right because your spouse is not your savior and I think everyone up here would agree with that one more thing sorry <laughs> they're all like I thought there were so many things um if like you are in this in the season of singleness I will say um there's been um, some podcasts that I've listened to. I don't know if you've ever listened to the Becoming Something podcast, um, but they talk about lots of great things, but they do a lot on dating and singleness and guarding your heart and all sorts of things. And even like sometimes when I've listened to those, it's made me think of like different things um, that I hadn't thought of before. So listen to that if you'd like to. Ending on a light note. We love it. I, I want to address this because I know that we've had a number of people ask us this question in different settings. And so, and we have touched on it a little bit in the series, but I just want to point us back to Ephesians 5 is that passage that everybody looks at as you either like, I'm going to submit to this with gritted teeth, you know, the, the roles of husband and wife in marriage, or I'm looking at it trying to understand the mystery of the relationship and how it reflects the gospel and how Jesus serves the church and vice versa. Um, but everything that precedes that language is verse 20, which says, submit to each other out of reverence for the Lord. So 
I just think it's important for us to always have that as this banner that flies before us as we look at these other roles. Because the roles of submission in marriage, they're mutual. They are mutual. They're, they're different in capacity, but they're not different in intrinsic worth. And that's important. We've talked on that. But um, the idea of submitting to one another out of reverence for the Lord, that has to precede the idea of what our roles are. Because our roles are not defining us. They're actually a form of worship. And so thinking through that too, um, because me loving her as Christ loved the church is a huge, it's a huge undertaking. I cannot do that on my own. I cannot do that on my own. I cannot do that without her support and saying, I want you to do this. But also when you fail in this, I'm gonna love you through it and try to encourage you back to Jesus. Um, I cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. I cannot do it without my savior. And I know that she cannot for the, for the love of God. There's no way that she could submit to me willfully if I weren't seeking to pursue the Lord. And she shouldn't. She should always seek to point me back to the Lord and saying that he's the first and initial and always the mutual person that we're submitting to. Um, and so I just think that has to be said. Honestly, it has to be repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated because we are dense. And, you know, ignorance you know, always seems to be the thing that we lean into versus just, you know, understanding of what the Lord has for us. And so I don't want to be, as a male, I don't want to be the only one speaking to that. But from a male perspective, I do think, you know, it's easy for, and here's the other thing about this. It has been abused historically. The church has allowed that abuse in a lot of its weakness and its humanity throughout history. Um, those that do abuse it, they're the ones that are going to have to answer to the Lord about it. But those who seek to be humble before the Lord will understand that submitting to one another is worship. And it's actually mutual submission to the Lord first and then to one another out of reflection of our desire to love him. Um, and so how can I abuse a person because of, with that mindset? Because for one, I've been given an opportunity. And I would say an opportunity. It's a privilege to submit in the ways that we get to. Um, and I would say it's also a privilege, an honor, and a terrifying <laughs> burden at times to be the one that's considered a leader in our household. Um, because that's just something that I want to take seriously and with humility. Um, can I turn it over to you for a second? Okay. I think with this, it's been taken out of context so much. But if you look at, like, it's an analogy, right, of, like, a wife submits to her husband like the church submits to Christ. And as the church, like, believers, like, we submit willingly and joyfully to Christ because we know how much he loves us and how he wants what's best for us and how he has our ultimate good in mind. And so that makes us willfully, joyfully submit to him. It's not always easy and we don't always do it like we should, but that's why we do it, right? And so it's the same way in a marriage where the husband is following Christ. Like I know that everything RJ does, he does because he loves me and that all the decisions that he makes for our family, he makes from a place of wanting what's best for us and following the Lord in what he believes is best for us. And so I want to follow him because of that, because I know that he is making those decisions from like a very pure, like wise place. Um, and it's not always easy, and obviously we disagree sometimes, and even in those disagreements, like, it's not this overbearing, like, well, we're just going to do what I say because I'm the head of our home. Like, it's always a conversation, and sometimes the Lord uses me, I think, to kind of show him where he is um, maybe not being obedient in something, and other times he feels very clear that, like, no, this is where the Lord has had us, and in those moments, like, I am called to submit to that. Um, but it's not this, like, big, scary thing that I think it's made out to be when you're following a husband who loves the Lord. Um, I think in light of that, too, 
commitment without communication, I don't think is actual commitment um, because you're not seeking to understand the other person, right? And you're not seeking to share like what your concerns are, what the decisions are. And so when we talk about like me making decisions for our family, I'm not doing that alone. I want that to be clear. And I mean, she touched on this, but like there's never a time where it's like, hey, I did this thing. <laughs> and she's like, do what? Like, we don't do that. I haven't been like, hey, we're moving to Tuscaloosa. Right, like that's just not something we're gonna do because that's not mutual submission. That's not reverence to the Lord. That's not me saying, I value her because she's my helpmate and we are one flesh. So I want her to be on the same page with me because, and I, I'm sure you can attest to this. I know we've even had conversations about this where your, your spouse has been like, wait, 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 let's slow the roll here and pray over this a little bit more. You may be excited about something. It may be a good thing, but it may not be the best thing. And they're the voice that speaks into that. And if you're not communicating, if you're not allowing the Lord to use your relationship to allow you to submit or to help you to submit, I think you're missing the point. Um, and I think you're also missing an incredible opportunity. Um, and so there's never a moment where, and I hope I haven't, I mean, I know she would tell me, um, where it's been like, hey, we're just doing this, I don't care what you say. Like that's just, one, that's not gonna go well for me. I'm just being honest. Like that's not gonna go well for me and it shouldn't because I care for her more than any other human on the earth. Like I need to, I want to, and I get to. Um, and, you know, I think that should be one of the things that hopefully infuses a desire in her life to say, okay, I want to be pursuing that in this direction together with you. Um, do y'all have anything to add? Yeah, I would say just on to that point, I don't know if you picked up on it, but both RJ and Casey said just basically in your, in your walk with the Lord, um, that starts first. And so if I'm spending time with Jesus, then it makes submission or teamwork work a lot better. Um, and so it, it, it prepares you, it, it, it aligns you. Um, but if I am the leader of the home and not spending time with Jesus and I try to make decisions out there just on my own, that's a recipe for disaster. So in marriage is a lot of hard work. You don't just kick it out of gear and just like, now we're married, so we get to just enjoy life. No, it is work. But it is so worth it if you'll do it the right way, and and that's why that just the you know Christ first that the order is so important. But for the husband, the husband, you have a huge responsibility that you better be before the Lord, and you bet because look who follows behind you, your wife, your kids, and you want them to be aligned with Jesus, and so. Um, don't take that lightly, but don't also be afraid of that word. We've misused it, um, but there's nothing more beautiful than teamwork. I'll be, I'm the guy that comes to Shonda all giddy about something. There is something true, guys, about women's intuition. They know. I'm serious. They know, and she knows. She'll either have a check in her spirit or something, and she's like, John, we just should hold up, pump the brakes just a minute, and it always comes true most of the time um so I, but first i just really want to stress that point man your walk with the lord is the most important because if you'll do that everything else falls into place well, let's give it up for our panel